Welcome to the First Baptist Church of Lavernia Sermon Podcast. If you have any questions about what you hear, or if you would like to speak with one of our pastors, you can find all of our contact information at www.fbclv.com. Boy, I'm glad you're here today. Aren't you glad you're here? Yeah, aren't you glad the air conditioner's working? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what invention caused the greatest migration of people in history? The air conditioner. Everybody moved south when they invented the air conditioner. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, I'll tell you some more interesting stuff later, maybe. Okay, so today our pastor, Pastor uh, Dr. Josh Walters, is off on vacation, and so unfortunately you're stuck with me. Um, And so I hope that uh, you prayed hard last night for the pastor today so that uh, I'll have something interesting to say, I hope. Um, Today we celebrate uh, July the 4th, uh, and so thank you to all of you who um, served uh, to make this happen uh, in the military and in first responders, uh, keeping us safe and keeping us free. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much, first responders and military. Hello, everybody. Okay, is anybody besides Rhonda awake this morning? I'm just wondering if that's, uh, okay, good. Hey, um, do you like mysteries? Man, I like mysteries. I like figuring things out. I found that most people like mysteries, and really, I'm pretty sure that God designed us to be that way, you know, to be curious about things. You know, I believe his goal was to have us be curious about his word that we would dig into it and see what's in there. I believe God structured it in such a way as to make it interesting to us to study. I think that's why he did that way. You're you're wondering sometimes, well, what does this mean? Well, God did that on purpose so that you would say, what does this mean? And you would look it up and find it. And uh, today I want to talk about the authenticity of Scripture. Um, Can we trust it? How do we know that it's real? Better yet, how can we know that it was really God's Word written down. How can we know that? Um, I want to call your attention to a scripture that I don't have on a slide, but I'll read it to you. It's 2 Peter uh, chapter uh, 1, uh, verse 20 and 21. It says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so we see God uh, inspired, not only inspired the Bible, but what I'd like to prove to you today is not only did he, he inspire the content of the Bible, he inspired every word and every character that's in the Bible. Now, that's kind of a far-fetched thing, uh, but by the time you leave today, I pray that you'll have a new insight into the uh, validity of the Bible, and therefore, you'll have the necessity in your life Uh, to believe it, and to do what it says. So uh, most of what I have for you today is taken from uh, Bible studies by Dr. Chuck Missler. Um, But let me give you the theory for today. The theory for today, and this is our um, first slide, uh, authenticity, yeah, it's easy for you to say, right? Authenticity of Scripture. Uh, Number one, uh, the 66 books of the Bible are an integrated message evidencing skillful and comprehensive design. And number two, the origin of this integrated message is from outside our um, space-time domain. So 
if you, if you see, uh, I mean, if you look at it, the Bible was written by over 40 authors over more than 2,000 years. And we find that the Bible is an integrated message uh, which shows us purposeful and engineered design. Um, we have plenty of fragments uh, of handwritten scripture, um, and it's also referenced in secular works. Um, it would be impossible for all those authors to coordinate the parts of the Bible all at once, uh, especially over that many years. Um, my first proof of the Bible authenticity of, uh, is that we have an abundance of evidence that it was written at or near the time of Christ. Um, uh, I'm sorry, it was written at or near the time that it says it was written. We find the integrated design of all the books in the Bible, so it's skillfully designed and that it could only have been done by God. And so we see that the Old Testament dates, the things that we, scraps that we found show that they're old, and the New Testament shows that they were written shortly after Christ. Another proof that we have um, is the origin of the Bible is from outside our timeline. And so if you look at the prophecy in the Bible, there's no way that somebody in our timeline could uh, give us all the prophecy that's in the Old Testament that was fulfilled in the New Testament. So somebody from outside our timeline uh, uh, wrote this. If you were to take a piece of paper and you were to draw a line on it, and um, it would represent your life, and you could see that it started at a specific place and it ends at a specific place, and all you can see is what's in front of you and what's behind you, but that's all you got is just what's right there, right? But God is the paper that the line is written on. He can see the whole thing. He can see the whole line at once. And so we find that he, he, the, the Bible is written in such a way that only somebody from outside our time domain could have written it. So what's an integrated message? Well, an integrated message uh, is one that is structured in such a way that it fits together like a puzzle. Um, this is so the receiver can know if it has been added to or if any of the parts are missing. Um, as you know, disrupting communication of an army uh, can render them almost um, ineffective, right? Um, if they can't communicate, they can't fight together. They can't work together. And whomever they're up against will certainly be trying to interfere or jam with the communication methods uh, to keep the messages from getting through. Um, do you agree that one of Satan's main goals is to corrupt the message that God gave us? Yeah, uh, of course. He's trying to confuse, mix up, jam, interfere with our receiving the message of God. And God knew that that was going to happen, and so he planned for it. And I'm going to show you some things. Um, if you were going to send a message that you knew was going to be subject to hostile intentions, what would you do? Well, you'd send the message multiple times on multiple frequencies so that the receiver could put together your message. And we're going to see that God did this in the scriptures for us so that we can know that we have the proper message. So one, one way that God did this was to make the Old Testament and the New Testament integrated with each other. And just to be clear, um, please understand, the Bible is divided into two halves. The Old Testament is the part that was written before Christ. The New Testament is the part that was written right after Christ's resurrection. Um, and so as you study the Bible, you'll see that the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed or hidden. 
And what you're also going to find is that the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed or explained. And so if you see something in the Old Testament you don't understand, probably the answer to what you're supposed to understand is in the New Testament. As we study the New Testament, we're able to look back at the Old Testament and see the pictures that God drew for us that was of things to come. God made a point to show us things over and over in the Old Testament. So when it happened, we would recognize it. Um, If you uh, think about uh, when the Hebrews were in the desert and they were being bitten by the snake and uh, God told Moses, build a a staff with a snake on it, a a brazen staff and hold it up and whoever looks to it will be saved. And that's a picture of, and Christ explained that for us in the New Testament, that unless the Son of Man be lifted up, no one would be saved. And so it was a picture of Christ being on the cross. And so the Old Testament is a whole bunch of pictures of what was to come so that when Christ came, we could recognize uh, that it was him. Uh, As you know, there's many verses in the Old Testament that describe the coming Messiah. In Micah, uh, we see that he would be born in Bethlehem. In Isaiah, we're told that he would be born of a virgin. In Psalms, we see that he would be declared the Son of God. And there are many, many more prophecies there. But I want you to see something deeper this morning. Um, Do you remember the oldest person in the Bible? That was Methuselah. Right, you're right, Methuselah. Did you know that even though he lived almost a thousand years, he died before his father? Wait, how's that possible? Do you know who his father was? Enoch, and God took Enoch into heaven. He never died. So Methuselah died before his father. Yeah, y'all will get that later. Okay, Enoch was taken up by God, so he never died. When Enoch was 65, he was given a prophecy that the judgment of the flood would come at the death of his son. So he named his son Methuselah, which means his death will bring. And sure enough, When Methuselah died, it started raining. Um, Methuselah's long life before the judgment shows us a picture of God's mercy extending as long as possible. Um, It's also worthwhile to look at the meaning of the other names in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 5, we see the genealogy of uh, Adam uh, and the first, uh, all all the names there. Um, This is also repeated in Luke chapter 3, which also goes all the way from Christ all the way back to Adam. But if we look at the meaning of these names, we get a message from God. So the the name Adam means man. The name Seth means appointed. Enosh means mortal and so on. Methuselah means his death shall bring. And if you put all those together in the order and chronological order, you get um, man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching that his death shall bring the despairing comfort and rest. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. Look at the names in your family. Do they mean anything? Yeah. Probably not like this, right? Um, That's pretty cool. Uh, I'm sure you've seen in movies how they send messages by sending a series of numbers, which can be decoded into a message. Many times they use a readily available book, and they send a series of numbers, which represents the page 
the line on the page and the character on the line. Uh, and if you go through all that, you can decode and come up with the secret message. But the whole secret thing is, is that the, the only the person sending and the person receiving know which book we're talking about, like Tom Sawyer or whatever. And you can go and count those things and see them there. Uh, and so you can send a code by sending those numbers. In the same way, if you look at the first chapter of Genesis in the original Hebrew, you will find a message. If you start with the first tau, which is our T, and take the 49th letter after that, you get an O. And the 49th letter after that, you will find an R. And after that, you'll find an H, which spells Torah. In Hebrew, that's how they spell it, T-O-R-H, which is the Hebrew Bible. And the Hebrew Bible consists of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, five books, okay? Everybody still with me? We're doing some math today, so, you know, sharpen it up here. Sharpen your pencils. Here we go. Um, if you do the same thing in Exodus, guess what you find? Torah. And if you do the same thing in Numbers and Deuteronomy, you find the same thing, except Torah is spelled backwards in those two books. And, and uh, what we find is that both of them are pointing towards Leviticus, and 49 is uh, 7 times 7. And 7, as you know, is the number of perfection in the Bible. So if you take the letters using an interval of 7 in Leviticus, starting at the first Yod, which is the Y, um, the book of law, Leviticus, you'll end up with the name of God, Yahweh. That Y-H-W-H is how you spell Yahweh in Hebrew. Wait a minute. The Torah points to God. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's cool. I hope you think it's cool. Okay, too bad if you don't, we're going to do some more. All right, it turns out uh, that the other two books, uh, the two books before and after Leviticus point to God. Now, if we found this in only two of the books, we could say, oh, that's a coincidence. But when you find it in all five of the books of the Torah, man, that means this is no accident. Let me show you another one. If we look at Genesis 38, we can do a similar thing using the 49th letter interval, and we find the lineage of King David. Wow. Right there, there's um, um, Boaz, Ruth, Obed, Jesse, and David. That's pretty cool, isn't it? 49th letter coming up with those names. Yeah, um, if, if the, that's pretty incredible, but guess what? They're in chronological order. Wow. The probability of all five names showing up in a given interval has been estimated to be one in 6,500. However, for them to show up in chronological order, it's estimated to, to be the odds of about one in 800,000. Using computers, we've found numerous other uh, equidistant letter sequences. Let me show you some more. In Isaiah, uh, Isaiah is considered the most majestic book the most messianic or book about the Messiah um, of the Bible. And 53, chapter 53 is called the Holy of Holies by some, uh, the Holy of Holies of the Old Testament. And it presents the Messiah of Israel as a suffering servant, and it includes a description of the, and, uh, and the role of the crucifixion that's without equal in the Bible. Uh, here's a part of it, Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6. But he was pierced for our transgressions, 
He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Wow, that was written like 2,000 years or so before Christ, and it, des it describes exactly what Christ did. Isn't that amazing? I mean, just the fact that it's there is amazing. But let me tell you something else. Using computers and searching the Hebrew Scriptures right there in Isaiah 53, um, they found a whole bunch of phrases uh, using this equidistant letter searches. Uh, all of those words that are listed there were found in Isaiah 53. That's pretty amazing. Anybody notice the 12 disciples in there? Wow. Why are there two Jameses? Because there were two Jameses. <laughs> there were two disciples named James. Um, anybody notice a name that's not there? Judas. Judas is not in Isaiah 53. Um, while you can find Judas in over, over 50 times in the book of Isaiah doing this kind of search, it's conspicuously absent from Isaiah 53. Wow. That's pretty cool. Let's look at another verse. Let's look at Mark 16, 9 through 20 um, in the Greek. If you, if you look at it, you'll see a heptatic structure of Scripture. Now, I'm using big words because I want you to think I'm smart, <laughs> but I'm really not. Okay, notice I said think I'm smart. Okay, heptatic structure of Scripture. If you take the Greek text of Mark 16, 9 through 20, you'll find that there are 175 words. Guess what? That's seven times 25. It's a multiple of seven. Uh, and it uses a total vocabulary of 98, seven times 14, different words, all a multiple of seven. Try to construct a paragraph where the number of total words and the number of unique words are exactly divisible by seven. That's just terrible. You couldn't do it. Um, okay, but that might have been an accident. Okay, so let's look again. There are... 553, 7 times 79, characters in this passage. There are 294, 7 times 42, vowels, vowels, and 259, 7 times 37, consonants. And if we look at the 98 vocabulary words in the passage, 84, 7 times 12, are found before these verses in Mark. 14 are found here, and 42, 7 times 6, are found in Jesus' words in verses 15 through 18. And 56, seven times eight, are not used by him. The chances that this could happen, that all those numbers could come out as a multiple of seven, is one in 282 million. Isn't that amazing? How God had his fingerprints in there? Just so that you could see it? But there's more. The total word forms in the passage are 133, which is 7 times 19, and 112 of them, 7 times 16, occur only once, leaving 21, 7 times 3, of them occurring more than once. In fact, these occur 63 times, which is 7 times 9. If we examine more closely this 175 words, we discover that 56, 7 times 8, words appear in the address of the Lord and 119, 7 times 17, appear in the rest of the passage. Wow. More multiples of 7. It gets worse. Um, 
Greek, like Hebrew, has assigned numerical values to each letter of its alphabet. Thus, each word also has a numerical value. So if you add up all the character values for this passage, you get 103,656, which turns out to be 7 times 14,808. Wow. While I've only listed a few of these, there are at least 75 heptatic features uh, in these verses of Mark. If a supercomputer could be programmed to attempt 400 million attempts per second, working day and night, it would take 1 million of them, 1 million computers, over 4 million years to identify a combination of 7 to the 34th heptatic features by unaided chance alone. Can you imagine that? This is not an accident. This was not done by accident. It also turns out that Matthew has 42 words, 7 times 6, uh, that are unique to the book. That's kind of cool, don't you think? Matthew having a unique number of words that's a multiple of 7. Um, what would you say if I told you Mark also had a u- unique number of words that were a multiple of seven? Turns out it does. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, James, Peter, and Jude all have a multiple of seven words in their books. In the original Hebrew is what we're talking about. After the first uh, service, a young lady came up to the front and she said, well, I counted it over in my Bible And it didn't come out. I said, no, 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 I'm talking about the original Hebrew, okay? Not the Bible that you have in your hand. Um, But we can see all this in there. So do you think all these writers got together and said, okay, here are the words that you're going to use in your book, and here are the words you're going to use in in my book, and so on, and we'll have all these unique words in our books. And no, there's no way they could have done that. There's no way they could have got together. You know, uh, you, you guys know what pi is, right? Yeah, it's cherry, apple, peach. No, no, no. I mean the mathematic pie. Uh, it, has, it tells you about uh, cir- how to make circles. Um, actually, when I came home from college one time, Dad asked me, what did you learn? And I said, well, pi r square. Uh, and he looked at me and said, oh, I can't believe I wasted my money. Pi r round, cornbread r square. So if you take Genesis 1-1, Uh, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you take the numerical value of the words times the letters divided by uh, the the numerical values times the other, you get pi to four decimal places. Four decimal. That's pretty cool, right? But that could be an accident, right? It could be an accident. If you do the same thing with John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you do the same thing, you get the value of E to four decimal places, which is well-known mathematics constant. And so if if you know anything about math, you know that they use the value of E. It's found right there. You can do the math and come up with it from John 1, 1. There are over 300 prophecies about the Messiah in the Old Testament. Probably one, the probability of one man fulfilling just eight of them is the same as you randomly finding a given silver dollar uh, from a pile that's two feet deep, which covers the entire state of Texas. 
That's a bunch of silver dollars, isn't it? And seriously, if I had one silver dollar and I covered the state of Texas with silver dollars and I threw this one out the window and then told you, okay, go find it, and you went out and you went to pick it up, the chances of you find it uh, is just crazy, isn't it? Um, that's the chances of the 300 prophecies of the Messiah being fulfilled by one man, and it was. So there are many, many more examples of God's hand in the scriptures. And Dr. Miss, Dr. Missler's book has over 500 pages. But I can tell you, that, uh, I can tell that you're at information overload. So let me summarize. The Bible was written by over 40 authors over a span of almost 2,000 years. And what we find is that the Bible is an integrated message which shows a purposeful engineered design. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17 and 18, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Jesus himself said that every letter even the spaces, even the dots on the I's and the crossing of the T's are all important. So I hope I've given you a taste of the amazing design of God's word. Um, we find very clearly that God spoke and had written down every character and every word in the Bible. And because of this, you can trust it. You can believe it and you can live it. You know, if you've never fully trusted Christ, I pray that today would be the day. I pray that he, right here and now, you would do business with God. Uh, I, I'll be here after the service to, or during the, the next song to pray with you, or you can come pray by yourself. Uh, but don't leave this place before you put your trust fully in God this morning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for um, all of these numbers. Or they're uh, pretty amazing and they kind of blow our mind. Um, and it's amazing that you did that. It's amazing that there are a whole bunch more that I didn't even talk about this morning. And so, Lord, thank you for doing that for us, to show us that your word is real, that it can be trusted, and that we can live it. Lord, I pray that we would not leave this place without fully trusting you and your word. Lord, thank you for each one that's here today. I ask that you reach into their hearts and show them your face so they might be encouraged, they might be lifted up. Lord, bless us now as we sing, as we pray, as we seek you with our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.